Ladies and gentlemen, the Handlebar is one of our favorite establishments here in Chica. We would not do this at the top of every show if we did not stand by what they offer, which, if you don't know, is an awesome happy hour, seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m., where you get a dollar off any of their 28 draft beers. They've also got a fantastic patio, an extensive menu of delicious food. I highly recommend the beer, cheese, and pretzels. If you've never been, they're on the south end of town at 2070 East 20th Street, right by Best Buy, right by Winco. Again, that's the handlebar. Go check them out for an awesome happy hour, seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. Here's the show. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema. This is a podcast. It's a radio show. The purpose of which is to tell you, the listener, about what's going on in the world of cinema and the world of craft beer each and every week. My name is Max Minardi. Hey, what's going on? I'm Johnny Summers. <laughs> this week, our review uh, of The Iron Claw from writer-director Sean Durkin. The film stars Zac Efron as Kevin Von Erich. It's a retelling of the true story of the Von Erich family, who were massively influential in what we know today is basically the WWE, WWF, etc. But before we get to our thoughts on that, Johnny, what are we drinking? We are doing two beers from Southern Grist. They are based in East Nashville, Tennessee. The first beer is called Binding Fate. It's a double hazy IPA that's 8%. The next beer later on in the show is called Moderate Fleek. It's a triple New England IPA that is 10.1% and we might perish. It's an IPA kind of day. I didn't actually realize that. It was one of those days where you kind of just showed up with the beers and uh, to the moment where you set the first beer on the table, like I didn't know what it was called because you put them in the notes. Mm-hmm. It's 10.1. All right. Well, we go. Yeah. If you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, we hope you're having a terrific Saturday afternoon on the radio version of our show today. You'll be hearing the majority of our episode, which will eventually include spoilers for the Iron Claw. If you haven't seen the film yet and you don't want it spoiled, I'd encourage you to come back and finish up our conversation in podcast form after seeing the movie. That version of the show includes the always unpredictable hot and bothered segment, which is exclusive to our podcast listeners. It's how we end the show each week by catching up with each other, number one, and often we discuss everything from the latest movies to fun beers we've tried off the air. Yeah. To find all that, you're going to go search Fresh Hop Cinema on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, all those places you get podcasts. We've released new episodes every Friday since 2016, which means it's available to all of you listening on KZFR right now. If you like the show, go take five seconds, leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, and definitely let us know you did. Text us to brag or with feedback about the show at the podcast cell phone number. It's 530-433-0839. Again, the number for the show is 530-433-0839. To hang out with us on social media, just search Fresh Hop Cinema on Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, or Untapped, or just head over to our website, freshhopcinema.com. All right, we're talking Patreon now. We're we're you know how sometimes people, I'm asking you, Johnny, uh, mm. at like the new year, like decide they're gonna like stop drinking or they're gonna go to the gym more, eat healthier, like the New Year's resolutions. New year, new me. I find that around this time of year. Our sort of New Year's resolution is that we get back on Patreon stuff. Yeah. Like we're, we've got basically through spring kind of planned out. Mm-hmm. We've got two events in January. We already have our February bar hang scheduled. Um, and maybe I'm putting the cart ahead of the horses here. Maybe you don't even know what Patreon is, sweet, sweet listener. 
it's how we keep the show running. It's how we ostensibly buy beers and movie tickets and put on these cool events that I'm hinting at. Uh, and it's a really, really simple platform for you to use if you want to be part of that support system. You can pledge a dollar or two or three all the way up to 10, um, though I don't think there's an actual limit. You can keep going if you want per episode for this show. It's usually like you know once a week, so four or five a month. And in return, we give you access to those events. We give you access to bonus reviews of beers like the one we just did. We reviewed a beer called Citra Crumble from Imprint out of Pennsylvania, which is a brewery we featured on the show about a month ago. Uh, it was so good, and we got recommended another beer that showed up from our buddy Andy at SNS. So we reviewed that beer. It's a whole bonus thing. You can go listen to that by joining us on Patreon, which is all a long-winded way of saying, please help support our show. Go to patreon.com slash Cinema. Um, a couple of Patreon announcements in the spirit of upcoming events. Um, January 4th, we're having, uh, rather resurrecting a, what feels like long dead tradition of digital movie nights that we did, I think starting during the pandemic. I love the watch along. Yeah. So basically what we had done, well, here's what we're doing now, I guess. We're going to have a watch party of a new film that came out this year called, <laughs> called Slother House, which I'm really stoked for. It's a sort of a campy horror movie where this girl is trying to pledge a sorority and in order to win her you know, potential sister's favor. She brings home this cute sloth and it turns out the sloth is a psycho murderer and murders the kids. Hell yes. So it's on Hulu and we're all going to watch it together. I'm going to start a Hulu watch party and I'll invite you on Patreon with a link. You can join. We can all chat with each other and watch literally at the same time and sort of experience it together. So mark your calendars, those of you in Patreon. That'll be January 4th. It's a Thursday and we're having a 2024 sort of year kickoff bottle share. There will be details for that coming soon, but that'll be January 12th in a few weeks here. So please mark your calendars that um, safe to say you should sort of allocate most of the day for that beginning in the late afternoon. Maybe don't make evening plans. We are your evening plans. Yep. Um, if, if any of that sounds fun to you and you're not already in Patreon, you can check us out. Patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema. Am I missing anything Patreon related? I think we're there. Okay, that's housekeeping out of the way, unless you have something else. I do. Go. I want feedback, and I want everyone to know that we're putting out videos for our Patreon episodes now. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. It's fun for me and you, for sure. I think as long as that stays number one, feedback's cool. It's fine. Yeah. I like. I think it's fun, because I get to mess around with camera angles and lighting. And... When I say feedback, mainly it's if you're listening and you're on Patreon mm. and you haven't watched, you should. There's video now. Totally. It's red. It's actually, I mean, and, and not to dwell on this too long, but one of the main perks that I've found is that I sometimes struggle to how I feel accurately describe kind of what's in our glasses or the can art. So it's been really nice to be like, all right, here, like here's literally what the can looks like mm -hmm. <laughs> as we're drinking it. Like here's what the beer looks like in our glass. Um, oftentimes I'll say something on the show like, Oh, you just made a crazy face when you drank that. You can see his crazy faces. Now you yep. can see my crazy faces. You can see the crazy looks that I give him when he says something crazy. Yeah. It's all part of the appeal. He, he does that a lot. <laughs> it's exclusive to Patreon, at least for the time being. Um, so yeah, that is. I think that's a very good point. It's exciting. Yes. We're excited about it. You should be too. Agreed. Okay, that's housekeeping out of the way. Let's get into beers. Uh, Johnny, I don't know about this brewery, Southern Grist, at all. Maybe you could tell me a little more. Yeah, a little bit about Southern Grist. Uh, Kevin Antoon, Jamie Lee, and Jared Welch met in the corporate world. Here we go. Brewery story. I love a good brewery startup story. Oh, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> their weekends spent homebrewing quickly evolved when they shed their business attire and decided to go all in, opening a 430-square-foot brewery in East <laughs> Every foot counts, in baby. East Nashville <laughs> with modest seating area. That's yeah, so sure. small. No, it's great. I love it. Uh, they basically opened a brewery in a studio apartment. Yeah, half of a studio. Like, Sick. Yeah. The doors opened in February 
of 2016, staffed by the three founders and their wives. Who will remain nameless for yep, some reason. The wives. All right. Yes. Uh, now, enough about the brew. I have a question. What? What is, what is grist? Grist is vital to the brewing process. Oh. Uh, grist or ground grist, uh, it actually refers to the malt that you grind uh, in the brew house with a mill before you start brewing. And then you add it to some stuff. A wart happens. There's heat involved. Maybe some lasers. Bada bing, yes. bada boom. Great. You got some beer. You got some beer. I hope we haven't bound our fate to like negativity by saying this stuff. I'm sure it's a great brewery. Um, I'd hate to do that. What is, I haven't what is, said anything negative. I haven't either. Just been making a little couple pranks and goofs. I mean, unless they put the square footage of the brewery. I mean, there's... You put that in there because it's hilarious. Well, you put it in there also to show that you've grown, right? Like uh, these beers are no longer coming out of a 430 square foot garage. This was their whole about this me. breweries. They haven't updated the size of the, their brewery. No, they've updated the size of their production, certainly. I mean, we're getting these. Maybe. Way out in California. This is their whole about me. The only reason I brought this up is because I wanted to say I hope we haven't bound our fate. And I was hoping you would take that and run with it. Ah. What's beer number one? It's binding. All fate. right, let's get into it. Uh, give me the facts. Beer number one, Binding Fate. It is a double Northeast IPA. That's 8%. This beer is Oded New Zealand Double India Pale Ale, brewed with Kohai Nelson, a botanical blend from New Zealand that corrals both the essence of hops and the untamed spirit of passion fruit. Because, Max, when I hear passion fruit, untamed spirit, obviously, first thing that comes to mind. I'm also going to say I think it's Kohia Nelson rather than Kohai. Cool. I think, I mean, I'm good we're with either one. We're good. Yeah, we're good. man. Um, yeah, so. I just picture a passion fruit on horseback, like ho hair blowing in the wind. Just, I, uh, I picture a passion fruit with horse legs. Sweet. It is the essence of the thing. Yes, like a passion fruit minotaur. Yeah. Or centaur. Totally. Yeah, there you go, centaur. Well, um, it doesn't have a face, so. My version does. Oh. <laughs> what I'm picturing, yes. It absolutely does. All right, so let's put this untamed spirit in our mouth. All right. Uh, as you're drinking it, I'll just kind of say, I mean, it looks like a straightforward New England IPA, everybody. It's it's very, very hard to see through. There's If you hold it up to light, um, it's it doesn't quite do much. It's still sort of just as just as dark. It's got a little bit of like a frothy head going. Um, that, and now Johnny has tasted it. What are your initial thoughts? That tastes wild. That is insane. Untamed, if you will. Bro, there's some untamed spirit running amok in are my you, mouth right I, now. I can't actually tell. And I'm not just saying this to kind of build up hype. I can't tell if you like it or not. I can't tell either. Oh, I'm going to try it. That is a um, an oral experience, man. What on earth? There is just tons of like fruit, tons of passion fruit, obviously. Um, it is way fruitier and like fruit juicier than I expected. Yeah. It's got a real, ah. Starburst? Starbursty Maybe. is a great word. Yeah, for. I was yeah. thinking hard candy, but no, chewy candy. It's got to be the. It's got to be like the Starburst sort of Skittle Mento kind of like the tropical Skittles that, well, and that I, had the oddball flavors. Uh, yeah. You ever have tropical Skittles? Yeah, have I had them? I practically invented them. Yeah, you could say. <laughs> you had the purple pack. Oh, I love the purple pack. Is it mixed berry? Mixed berry. That's right. Yeah, boy. I actually don't love the purple pack. They were sort of the last resort at my local sort of liquor store when I was a kid. Mm candy stores what i call shop it at the liquor store when you were a child it was the corner mart you were built for this show this is really good see you think i like it a lot yeah now i think it would make sense that you wouldn't like it because it's very sweet mm -hmm. but it's like a fruity sweet rather than a um sort of a hop masking alcohol sweetness that i think sometimes creeps out 
Yeah, I think this you could have sold this to me as almost like a smoothie sour. No, there's or no not smoothie. Sour, I'm sorry, like, not smoothie sour. Oh, like a milkshake IPA or something. That. Yeah, maybe. Like it is so fruit forward and it is so silky and so pillowy. Your favorite word to describe. It's a good beer. word. And it's a good word for this beer. Can I ask you this? Uh do you ever do you ever want to be able to enjoy a milkshake IPA, but you can't because of the lactose that's often added? Yeah. Then this might be your beer for those cravings. What which if, if what nothing if there's lactose else, in it. I don't think there is. There probably is. I think we would have heard about it. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Yeah. I've had some that I liked that I like took pills for, and I'm like, man, this is good. Okay. I get it. I only want like eight ounces, but I get it. Well, the good news is you've only got eight ounces of this in your cup. I'm just using that as a segue. Um, because this does come in a 16 ounce can. No, nope. um, I'll point this out. It's not a 16 ounce can. It is. No, I just oh, <laughs> I took a drink and I'm sorry. Oh, you don't like I it. I interrupted you. That's okay. It, the word nope, but don't just do it again. So hard. I don't like this one okay. bit. Um but before, when on. you take a wait a minute, <clears throat> hang on. It's a 16 ounce can, and I just wanted to point this out once. It's got a wraparound label. I'm trying to be a little bit more descriptive about some of this That's stuff. Right. So if people go to look for it at SNS in this case, here in Chico, um, you're looking for a mostly silver, not mostly, but it's a fully silver can. With, um, you know, maybe 75% of it covered with a wraparound label. We'll say it's amber to copper colored and in a slightly lighter kind of orange tint. It says Southern Grist Brewing Co. And there is a lasso type rope, almost in a pretzel formation at the bottom that says Binding Fate. And then it says Double IPA at the bottom. That's all I was going to say. Keep your radar open if you're uh, skewing more me. And then keep your radar turned off if you're skewing where Johnny's about to tell you he's feeling. Which is starting with nope. Yeah, man. There's this note, right? When you first take a drink that is like cinnamony, like spice notes. Okay. I'm getting a bunch of like like fall baking spices right up front. Man, that's coming out of left field. And, no, I take a big drink and tell me it doesn't taste like cinnamon or like nutmeg. I'm fairly cloves. non-confrontational, so it's difficult for me to want to do this exercise, but I don't taste any of that. At all. It hits me right up front. And then it segues into that passion fruit sweetness like immediately. Don't love that one bit. Um okay, well I don't get yeah, I don't get any of that. I just took another drink just to just to really make sure that I couldn't yes and you on that. And it, I can't. It might be on the nose too. It kind of smells I didn't get that either, unfortunately. Mm. I mean, there's just so much that and that's all just hops. There's no fruit in this. Uh-huh. That's bonkers. Well, so the 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 you know, this, the most suspect here is this Cohia Nelson, um, which I'll take a look for in a minute here, because I'd be willing to bet a fair chunk of chunk of change here that we've never had a beer that features this hop. That's one of those words that does kind of stick out to you. Oh, it um, says featuring hops and passion fruit. So there's oh. actual juice in this beer. Okay, well, good. That sort of clears up some of that. Right. Um, that makes so much more sense. Where did the description in our notes come from today? That was from Beer Advocate. Okay, gotcha. Some, yeah, I, I mean... I don't know how long this beer has been being brewed. So there's a chance that like maybe an earlier iteration, AKA the one that was described on beer advocate didn't have this, but I feel like with this beer in particular, it's probably been made with passion fruit from the get go. Um, and it really rubs me the wrong way when the internet at large has a description that isn't accurate for what it is. And, and we could cross reference, but very often it's pretty similar, if not yeah. exactly the same, but I'm glad we double checked. So sure. It has passion fruit that checks out for what I'm tasting. Um, it does make me slightly less interested in the Cohia hop, but that's okay. The Cohia Nelson hop. Right. But it's still interesting because I still think we've never done it. Yeah. No, it's it's a new hop blend. You definitely don't get a full 
uh, grasp of what it actually tastes like with the passion fruit. But, you know, whatever piney, hoppy notes are coming through, you could maybe attribute to that. But uh, botanical blend uh, indicates that possibly it has a heavy nose. So maybe some of that is what I'm smelling. I'd be curious to see because I've sniffed a lot of passion fruits and none of them smelled like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking up the Cohen Nelson hop now, just for some reference. By the way, it's a hop blend. It's a cu- um, a real cuvee. Yeah, it's just and this is from Freestyle Hops, and and they just say Freestyle uh, Cohen Nelson is our botanical blend, uh, and extends essentially. Yeah, it's like it, it's a it's sort of a love letter of a hop to New Zealand grown crops. Hmm. Um, and maybe you know we used to do certain things on. Uh, our Patreon, where we could talk about this sort of stuff at length. Now's not the time, but fun. I'm interested in this hop, and I'd love to learn more. Um, Johnny Summers, yeah. Anything we haven't discussed that needs to be discussed, or should we rate this? Um, you know, I mean, flavor, drinking experience, can. I think there's not much else. Just to get down to the nitty gritty dirt band of it, man. Do you sure. like it? I I like it a lot, and yeah. I know that you don't like it a lot. I don't know how little you like it, and I, I don't think you hate it. Because you've been sipping it. You're sipping it again, I think. It's not about me. It's about you. What? Tell me what no. you think. No, I think it's it's really great. Um, it's a fairly affordable can. We can talk about this later on the podcast when we're off the radio waves. But um, for for sake of sort of universality and understanding, it's, it's a fairly moderately priced 16-ounce can, uh, especially considering it's not very local. I like it a lot. I would drink it again. I would buy it for sure. Um, it's just aggressive enough as a New England IPA to make some waves in my brain and my mouth and, and sort of my, you know, we're getting to the end of the year. So I'm thinking about a lot of lists I'm thinking like my top movies of the year, my beers of the year. Um, and this is really good, dude. I, um, you saying this might be a beer of the year. I don't know if we're doing like a top 20 for sure. Top 10. I don't know, but I really like it. I think it's a, it's a solid, like it's a solid nine for me. All right. I really dig this beer. A nine. Yeah. It's really good. Love it. Yeah, I, I, love, love, I love I love this beer. Love the enthusiasm. It's really good. I love that you love it. Yeah. What about you? I think it's gross. Oh, what a pivot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like legitimately, yeah, I, I think sometimes it's... you're so good at segues. Sometimes you're like, just here's what I think. I that's a perfect segue. It's the dichotomy, man. I think it's gross. All right. The, there's a yang. I'm about to yang all over this beer. Yang me, baby. It's so weird in the worst way. In that there is like a backbone of hoppiness and I get it, but this passion fruit and maybe the hot blend together are giving me those inescapable notes of like cinnamon stick and like, there's just a weird note. And when anytime a beer uses the word botanical, I question if that's contributing to something on the nose that Mm -hmm. I don't like just because botanicals are often very. You mentioned that too, but I don't know if I agree. Like, are you a gin guy? I can't. I don't know why yeah. I don't know this. You are like gin's famously I mean, very botanical. I don't hate gin. Some okay. people hate gin. I like gin. Well, the only point I was going to make is that you can smell sort of that flowery botanical thing yeah. of gin, but you can also taste it. Like it's not exclusive to just your nose, right? But I, I smell it and then I taste it and then it kind of goes away. So it's okay. it's on the nose and you know, what taste is what seventy five eighty percent sense of smell co- it, correlated it's, like it's I, very I, important it's high of course yeah. so like i'm wondering if that's why it's just right in the front but there's there's some notes in there that are just not jiving with my palate well then the other thing is that is you actually haven't named a flavor that you don't like you said cinnamon and nutmeg you said holiday spice the only thing that you've said that even i mean on not even your most judgmental day but a, a small-minded person's judgmental day is that it's confusing to you and it's surprising which is more of the positive spin on confusing. You're just saying it's not what you expected is, is kind of what I'm hearing. Am I mishearing you? 
No, it's it's what's that ingredient that they put in? Like, mm, it's like cinnamon, but it's not. It's a bark. Uh, cassia. Uh, cassia, which is basically cinnamon. Yeah, it, but more earthy and like honestly a little bit more botanical, and it has uh, a little bit of like the maybe. star anise type vibe. Now that's a flavor I can get behind. I don't like that flavor either. Yeah. Um, but that but, cassia bark is okay. like what this kind of reminds me of on that nose and that initial taste. Okay. If this was just like a juicy passion fruit vibe front to back, but there's that weird peppery cinnamony <sighs> note that I get right up front that uh, I just can't get away this from. This feels like a mileage may vary per drinker situation. I genuinely don't get any of that. But also um, the the palette can give me a second and I will the yeah. palette confusion that you're talking about these like sort of misalignment of harmonies of flavor is something that unless I really hate what's happening um interests me it's something that makes me perk up and think oh this is a unique drinking experience which I often give points to and it seems like you're taking points away from not even just like you don't like some of the flavors but you're like this doesn't I don't like that they're even mixing these. Yeah. It it was intriguing at first and then it just once like the the neurons fired and the pathways connected in my brain I'm like that's what that harkens to my yeah. mind and then yeah. it just it tasted weird. Smell my glass right. and tell me it like is that just how passion fruits smell? It smells like my glass. Uh what? I don't I don't I can't speak. I don't really know passion fruit all that well. Um but I can tell you from my side of the table and my glass and my mouth and my nose, whatever. There's no cinnamony, cassia, holiday spiciness at all. There's some weirdness happening here. And if there is, fine. But at worst, that weirdness is working really well for me. All right. So it's a nine for me. You think it's apparently gross. I think it's gross. What does that translate to out of 10? I mean, the problem is I think it's gross, but I don't think it's bad. But yeah, well, yeah, I'm I'm not objectively scoring this for some sort of. You have to a little bit, like you do sometimes, because you also say, with movies in particular, you say, "Hey, it's not for me," but it, that doesn't make it bad, you know. Like I've seen you give stuff that you personally dislike, a I think a reasonable fair score, because you recognize that it's not a badly made thing, and I think to some extent we were talking about me holding you to to your own standards before we started recording you got to to some extent appreciate the craft and if you if you personally don't think it's poorly made i don't think you can give it a terrible score yeah no i don't think i can give it a terrible score um i don't like it sure i would love to taste something that has that hop blend specifically just sure. so i can get a gauge on what that's doing with passion fruit mm-hmm. cuz like passion mm-hmm. fruit's definitely the more known variable here for sure. And I feel like the hops are adding something to that. Because New Zealand hops go crazy. Like the, they're they, very they're they're a lot. They yes. go wild. In almost every beer. Yeah. So it's not poorly made. It's not for me. It's got an oddness to the flavor that I can't quite place. You've heard me try. Sure. It six two, and that's being nice. Yeah, I, I think that's a reasonable score for for everything you've said. Six point two seems seems yeah, a little generous, but fair. Um, I, yeah, I'm still, I'm jazzed on it. I think it's, it's a very unique experience for me, which all, yeah, like I said, earns me a, or earns a beer or a movie or whatever, like a lot of points. Cause yeah. it's something new and refreshing. And I, I think we're in sort of a culture of recapitulation and like regurgitation of other stuff. Yeah. So anytime something's like kind of brand new, I'm like, Oh, awesome. Yeah. You I'm just that, into that about uh, movies and yeah, of course. I love saying that. Cause when things surprise you, it's exciting. You, you review enough beers 
something comes across the table where it's it's actually thought provoking and exciting. It it perks you up sometimes yeah. for the good, sometimes for the not so good, sometimes one of each. Once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. If you've tried Binding Fate and you couldn't agree or disagree more with our evaluations, please get in touch. Let us know. You can leave a voicemail or send a text to 530-433-0839. We do love feedback, especially uh, if you agree with me and disagree with Johnny. Again, that number is 530-433-0839. And hey, if you do like the show, please help us out. Leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. It only takes a couple seconds, and it's one of the most effective ways to help us get our show in front of new potential listeners. Incoming is a trailer for The Iron Claw. If you haven't seen it yet, fear not. There are no spoilers in our next segment, so don't go anywhere. Ever since I was a child, people said my family was cursed. Mom tried to protect us with God. Pop tried to protect us with wrestling. He said if we were the toughest, the strongest, nothing had ever hurt us. I believed him. We all did. Morning. Pants tomorrow, please, David. Perry, I want you to join your brothers in the ring. Yes, sir. I love that. Woo! Now, we all know Carrie's my favorite, then Kev, then David, then Mike. But the rankings can always change. What do you want in life? Kevin Von Eric. More ribs? <laughs> I want to be with my family. You know, be with my brothers. What do you like to do with your brothers? Together, we can do anything. We're here to restore justice to the wrestling federation that our father built with his own two hands. The hands that were passed down to us. The hands that will deliver the iron claw to you. So what do you think? Like we're alive. I love your family, Kevin. Don't be an uncle? Yes, sir. Oh, man, that makes me so happy. I talked to you about something, Mom. Dad's too tough on us. You gotta say something. Baby, that's what your brothers are for. Feel that? Ah. You feel that? Ah. That's pressure. You're pushing too hard. I'm fine, Kev. Seriously, I'm just sick. I'm scared, man. It all out of control. I need to think about my family. Your job is to wrestle. Live up to that deal or we are through. I told you to look out for him! I just love being out there with you guys. It's the only thing that matters to me. The Bonner will forever be the greatest family in the history of wrestling! If you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft beer and film. If you're listening on the radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM, you're sadly going to be missing out on some solid gold. I want to make a belt joke so bad, but I'm not going to. Uh, it's available exclusively to our podcast listeners. So if you'd like to hear the whole episode, you can subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever quality podcasts are found. It's currently available for your streaming pleasure. So at the end of this, if you're just dying to know what all the hot and bothered fuss is about, please go listen. All right. Again, that was a trailer for The Iron Claw, the true story of the inseparable Von Erich brothers who made history in the intensely competitive world of professional wrestling in the early 1980s. Through tragedy and triumph, under the shadow of their domineering father and coach, 
the brothers seek larger-than-life immortality on the biggest stage in sports. I'm not sure if that was true at the time. Uh, this film was written and directed by Sean Durkin. Um, if you've been living under a rock or were possibly just drowned by like the, I think, dozen movies that came out at Christmas this year, maybe you don't know that this A24 movie stars Zac Efron. Um, Jeremy Allen White from The Bear, I think, is probably his most famous thing. Shameless. Uh, Harris Dickinson, who we know from The Triangle of Sadness last year, and, and Holt McCallany, who I think is probably most known from Mindhunter. I thought it was McElhenney. We'll, we'll say McElhenney, sure. Although that sounds insane saying that out loud. I'm going to say McCallany. Even if you don't live under a rock, uh, what you may have thought after hearing about this movie is what I, a non-wrestling fan who knew nothing of this family, may have thought when seeing the trailer, which was... Like what a fun retro-looking family comedy that A24 is putting out just in time for the holidays. <laughs> yes. Um, I was caught off guard, to say the least. Uh, I'll tell you now, we're going to do our best to not spoil anything from the film here, which is going to be fairly difficult. Um, I think it's fair to say this isn't a film about wrestling so much as it is the, the tragic story of this family. And a lot of the aspects of this film that demand discussion do revolve around major plot points. Uh, but like I said... We'll do our best for now. This came to theaters on December 22nd, at least in wide release, and it runs two hours, 12 minutes. We uh, saw this together, which I thought was a lot of fun. Yeah. Johnny Summers, your brief thoughts on the Iron Claw, and please give me a rating at the end of that. Well, I thought it was it was very surprising in the, the depth of the tragedy that this family went through. And we're not going to get into specifics like you said, but there was so much sadness, man. This movie was... was not borderline. It was it was fairly depressing. Uh, there is only so much, you know, Book of Job level uh, excruciating punishment that one family should have to take. Uh, and this movie takes us through the trials and tribulations and ups and downs of many, many, many brothers. There was so many brothers. There was four brothers. Four brothers. Technically five in the movie. One passed away as a child. Yes. Uh, and you know, obviously. The father and mother were all present. Uh, we're both present. It, it was so filled with sorrow, but yet had this this dichotomy of being so filled with love. Like these brothers had such immense love for each other and loyalty and just this sense of family and and being together and just pure love for each other. And particularly Zac Efron's character, in a lot of ways I found him to be the most pure and innocent. He was, in a word, simple. Uh, and he f just approached life very simplistically, very straightforward, one-on-one, -on -one, linear type character. Um, and and it was just such a compelling story of a family's journey through the world of, of competitive wrestling. And it was backboned by... McElhenney? McElhenney? I think whatever you prefer at this point. You can call him Fritz if you want. Though. Fritz? His, his, it's actually not, it's his wrestling name, but ah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Fritz. Uh, Holt McElhenney. Sure. I'm going to call him that. Okay. Um, Fritz, the dad. It, it was backboned by his just, you know, not to use like a buzzword, but just this toxic version of masculinity mm -hmm. and fatherhood and just the ideas of what a man is, what a man does, very, you know, outdated. It, he was old and past his prime, and this was, what, probably late 80s? This is early 80s. Early 80s. Yeah. So he was from the self-proclaimed greatest generation. It's it's probably worth noting to set up his character a little bit and, and um, 
you know, like he he was a wrestler also, right? And yeah. he was a wrestler sort of at the at the turn of the seventies, mm-hmm. uh, and he, he never quite got there. Yeah. So there's a strong sense of him trying to live his life through his sons. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. He's a pageant dad, but just for wrestling. Totally. Uh, so you had this this strong father figure that was very domineering and very controlling, and you know, segued his children's adolescence and and basically their entire being. Other than Carrie, who's off to the Olympics into this dream of, of pro wrestling. And the strength in this movie I found was the interpersonal performances. Those were the most memorable things for me is okay. when when the brothers are interacting and when, you know, Zac Efron's character is interacting with his father and the way their relationship progresses. You know, it was a very intimate, deep, heartfelt, sad look at a family that had a lot of bad things happen to them. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. It's not spoilery. It's even in the trailer. They think they have a curse. Yeah, that's totally worth setting up. Yes. So that it's it's them dealing with that. And at one point, you know, one of the brothers not wanting to be around their own child for fear of cursing them and wanting a better life for them. It was really moving, touching stuff. I was not nearly prepared for how morose this movie is and the depths of of tragedy and of unrelenting sorrow that it would go to. Uh, and it elicited some strong emotions, man. It was it was uh, a movie that kind of derailed the rest of my day. But I really enjoyed it. It was a tough watch. It was grueling. And I do have some issues with maybe probably the second act, I would say, that, that got a little long in the tooth. The movie as a whole felt a bit long. But overall, I really enjoyed it as a film. Out of 10. Seven seven. 7.7. I think that's a it's, it's, I think that I think that's low. Um I agree with most of the stuff you said. I think there there's some great performances here. I think the the sort of talking points that have been surrounding this movie have involved a lot of Zach Efron's physical transformation. He's gotten uh, a ton of I mean, he's huge. He's juice like like to the point of like i was worried if somebody slammed him down hard enough he would pop <laughs> you know what i mean like and like yes. he's had some facial work done and uh there's there's a degree of scrutiny on that that i think is mixed with surprise that doesn't come along with a physical transformation of like a christian bale who has made a name for himself doing that sort of performance whereas zach efron to most people is the kid from high school musical and this is make no mistake a movie about his character kevin he's he's the one that is the most motivated to kind of please his father he's the one that is therefore the most invested in the wrestling career and we see the majority of the story through kevin's perspective mm-hmm. and it's it's all of the stuff you had said it's it's emotional for those reasons because because everybody is tangential to kevin um and and the, the movie does an okay job establishing the other characters i i, I don't think that it's nearly as much about their paths or their growth necessarily. There's not a ton of uh, development that happens amongst those characters. It's it's Kevin's story. And throughout the course of the movie, we have some other people that come in and out, like Lily James plays a person who ends up becoming his wife. I think that's okay to say as well. Um, there's also the, the the matriarch of the family played by Maura Tierney, who is who is I think pretty great. I loved her in this. She's she, you know, and they say it in the trailer. It's like you know, our dad, you know, our mom tried to give us whatever salvation through religion and God, and our dad tried that with wrestling or whatever they say. Um, she is just the the model for sort of restrained kind of Catholic. Uh, I assume they're Catholic. I could be wrong, but like sort of the the very sort of restrained, guilty kind of 
you know, praying for change despite things going wrong. I think you bring up the curse is a really important part of this movie because um, whether or not you believe in curses, by the end you're like, there's something going on. Um, it's an incredibly moving film. I was, again, like I said in the intro, like I went in thinking like this will be a nice sort of fun historically probably close to accurate movie about a family of wrestlers because the trailer really builds it as like like a happy go lucky there's even there's even one line in the trailer where which is the dad saying you know like everybody knows like here's the order that I like my kids and it's played off as a joke line and and we've heard it so much in the trailers leading up to this that even in our screening like people laughed at that line but it's pretty early in the movie and and even then I was like this is not funny like no like he means that yeah, and and I think that the way that this all plays out through the tragedy, it's 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 not a perfect movie for me. Um, it sticks the emotional landing in a major way, but I kind of struggled to find meaning in the story, which is tricky because it is a true story for the most part. Yeah. So on one hand, I'm like, I'm glad I know this story, and it was told in a way by a proficient storyteller in Sean Durkin. Um, so I'm good with it. I I really, really liked it. It's going to be in my top films of the year. It's it's a solid 9 out of 10 for me. Nice. Loved it. Yeah. Sometimes with the true story, like the the importance is the fact that it's being told. But it's also, yeah. you know, it's, you have to kind of find your own meaning in some of those more um, abstract in that it doesn't give you a hand-holdy plot and there's no that no specific development in a big way. You know what I mean? Like it, it does for a lot of it. I mean, it starts to feel like an exercise in tragedy. That's why I said Book of Job, man. You yeah, I mean, me it's and Just... it's so over the top. And and I'm sure we'll get to this. Like every, everybody that I've heard talk about this movie does talk about this, which is that you know in sports movies and movies in general, based on true stories, often the screenwriters or the directors will like kind of like like amp up the drama or the tragedy. In this case, the tragedy to make it kind of more intense and dramatic and a better movie. But Durkin had to like pull it back. This family actually went through more stuff. You they, told me that. Yeah, yeah. They had to like dial it back so there's, the audience would believe that this there's actually a, There's a whole character that's left out. Um, or Sorry, not a character. There's a human being that's left out and isn't made into a character because um, partially for the, the efficiency of telling a story with the given timeline that the director was working with and all that. Um, but also, yeah, it's a like... At some point, you're like, did this really happen? Like, there's no way, right? Right. Yeah, that's um, what the audience is it's thinking. it's just an incredible, I mean, it's just brutal. Yeah. Um, one of my most emotional scenes of the year happens in this movie. It's the end of the film. You get sort of this final this final kind of uh, emotional reconciliation shot with Zac Efron. And uh, I won't say more than that for now, but it, I mean, it really killed me. Just, uh, just brutal. I think we, everyone, the three of us in our row, yeah. there was not a dry eye. Yeah, and it's and it's one of those that's shots that is just like so well done because for a moment it's a, it's a shot where it's a it's sort of a two shot scene where you get sort of an over the shoulder shot of Zac Efron and you're unclear on sort of how we're supposed to feel how he's feeling and then the camera does a 180 in a quick cut and then you see how he's reacting to what he's seeing it's just it broke me mm -hmm. and there's there's a few scenes like that and the movie never lets up basically until that point it's it's sort of sad from one particular moment through the end of the movie and i just wasn't ready for it yeah um and we you know it's been um i don't know what do you think four days since we've seen it five days it feels like a week but it might have somewhere been somewhere there yeah um, and I'm still sitting. I've thought about it multiple times every day. It's 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 really well done. It's gorgeously shot. It's uh, there's some. I I'm, I'm sort of a hesitant to really get on board with a lot of 
modern needle drops, especially when it comes to like period pieces. Like, but there's some great, like the soundtrack's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. It's fun while it's fun. Yeah. And it takes a turn and it does that effectively, though I wouldn't call it enjoyable. Yeah. I think the interpretation of this movie uh, relies heavily on how well someone absorbs those type of pivots into the really sad. Yeah. It's like, if you want to make a movie really violent or like really shocking or really traumatic in a, a sh like a like a, a purely shocking way, yeah, you, I feel like you know what I'm saying. That I'm on board for that. But when out of nowhere, like a movie just becomes way more sad than I expected, but not in like a like a shocking violent way. Like mm -hmm. they did, they were very tactful in that there was a lot of horrific things that happened, and mm -hmm. they never explicitly showed them sure particularly sure. the one that happened by a tree mm -hmm. we'll mm -hmm. just leave it sure. at that yeah, yeah i i respected this movie a lot for not getting gory because it could have gone very quickly into yes. like the shocking tragedy yes um but you know what's implicated on the screen and you see zach Efron's character having to deal with that right yeah but then so that for me that's where that level of being able to pivot with that and absorb that mm -hmm. and be like on board for that. Like that was hard for me. And I think that's why I rated it lower because okay. I wasn't necessarily prepared for that. Mm -hmm. And like, just, um, I, I didn't sign up for an exercise in trauma and well, like, neither did the Von Eriks. Yeah, no, but neither did pretty much any moviegoer that went in as blind. At least I did. I didn't read anything about this. I only saw like one 30 second trailer. So it was no, very. No, I know. This is like the theme of the episode today because you're sort of singing the same swan song you sang about the beer, which is that this caught you off guard. Yeah. And, but in this case of the movie, like you don't even disagree with the thing. Like you, I think, appreciate the artistry oh, yeah. of this. Whereas with the, the first beer, you were like, well, I don't like these flavors. At least yeah. here, you're like, I like the flavors. Yeah. But it still caught me off guard. And I would make the argument that's the point. Yeah, like it caught you. It did its job really it's well. It's supposed to be a silly goose time about silly goose guys doing silly goose moves in their silly goose outfits, and it was so sad. It's and what it gets a... people in the theater. I watched another yeah. sports movie that just came out, which I'll talk about in Hot and Bothered. Go ahead, you should. But how much of a bait and switch to average moviegoers is that going to be, and how many people will that turn sour on this movie? I don't consider you an average moviegoer. No, I'm asking the question. Probably a in... lot. Yeah, right? Yeah, I think some of them, I don't know if I make a blanket statement like this necessarily, but certainly in the history of cinema, Many great movies have been seen because people expected something else. Yeah, um, and I'm 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 grateful for a sports movie, which is what this is on you know on first glance. That isn't just that. Yeah. Then uh, I'll tell you about the other sports movie I saw that came out basically the same day as this that I watched last night or the night before. What which was is it? Not, it's called The Boys in the Boat. We'll talk about it in Hot and Bothered. Okay. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about it in Hot and Bothered. It was um, the rowing movie. It is uh, directed by George Clooney. Uh, so I'm, I'm great with subversion in the same way that I'm excited about a new flavor in a beer. If a movie can bait and switch me effectively and then land as successfully as this one did, oh, then good. I think, I think it earns more points than it probably should have. Word. And the reason it's a nine instead of lower, um, cause I think there are some things wrong with it. Um, excuse me that, that we'll talk about. Um, I think probably pretty quick here. Do you have anything else you want to talk about before we get to spoilers? No, I'm good, man. Okay, then this will be your last warning. You're going to hear a fun sound. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the Iron Claw with spoilers. If you haven't seen it, again, you can uh, you can pause the podcast or you can leave KZFR momentarily, but please do come back in like 15 minutes. Uh, you can go watch the movie in the meantime. Uh, probably not in those 15 minutes. <laughs> 
But if you're a podcast person, you can go watch the movie and pick up right where you left off, because after this sound, we are going to spoil the Iron Claw. Please don't go anywhere. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. All right. So, uh, spoilers incoming, the Iron Claw. This is it. It's your last warning. Like, it's not a perfect movie. There's, there's, like, I, the movie's about the, on a sort of personal level, it's, it's about the relationship between this fairly abusive father, whether he is trying to do that or not. He is, though. And yeah. his sons. And it's about, like you said, it's like masculinity and, and sort of what it means to be, his whole thing is like, you know, if you're successful and strong, like you'll, you'll never be beaten in life. And we have to get this belt for me, essentially. That's never really resolved. Like it comes to a head after um, Carrie, after Carrie commits suicide under the tree and like, they finally have it out, but like nothing ever, like, like Fritz, the father character never really grows from this. And I know, and, and um, it's tricky to criticize this from a narrative perspective because it's, it, it probably been signed off on by Kevin, who is the only surviving member of this family at this point. So, like, I don't want to come off as criticizing that. Like, it's the truth of their family story. It's also difficult from a cinematic perspective to have built up this tension and and in a conventional sort of payoff, you'd have some resolution. Yeah. And we don't. There's also a big swing that's taken after Carrie commits suicide where he, we get sort of an afterlife shot. Or it's mm-hmm. him and his two other brothers and their little brother, which I think is sort of a beautiful concept, and I think it's gorgeous the way it looks, but it it doesn't quite work in the language of the movie, to me at least. Yeah. That felt like a glimpse inside Kevin's head. Well, maybe. Like, I, I if you can, I mean. Because it was definitely like his daydream. Totally. Yeah. Um, unless you believe that's what was happening. And if you believe that's what's happening, awesome. If, if you can have that sort of. Yeah, like like fortitude in in what you know to happen after you die, which I think is a nice overlap with the religion themes of this movie. It's great. Um, it just does feel out of place in the rest of the movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I, that was tough for me, sort mm-hmm. of, to get on board with. I think that scene it was it was bold, it was ambitious, but didn't quite work. Um, which is all to say, to my point, like it's not a perfect movie, but some of these sort of surprises, like the fact this movie took such a hard left turn into what it became, earns a lot of points for me. So it probably on paper shouldn't be a nine, but I loved it for that subversion. So it's, a, yeah, it's a solid nine. Anyways, that's closing up the loop of my thoughts. It's kind of where <laughs> I wanted to pick up the danger zone. Yeah. It's hard to not close the loops without the, uh, the spoilings. Yeah. I mean, so, so to clear it up, because I don't want to be the one podcast or reviewer that doesn't mention this, there's a, a sixth brother in real life whose name was Chris, uh, who also committed suicide. He uh, shot himself in the head didn't die immediately um, and was rushed to the hospital, died 20 minutes later. He was, um, I can't remember where in sort of the age of the kids he, but he he committed suicide when he was, I want to say 21 um, in the early 90s. So just brutal. I mean, there's this great sequence in the movie where where the mom is, is having to put on her funeral dress that you kind of think you might wear once or twice in your life. She's having to put it on for, just another time for another one of her sons who's died. Not and, that long apart either. And she's so tied up in the idea that like people are going to notice she's kind of reusing the same outfit, uh, which is a brutal scene. Yeah. Um, but it's like, you know, like we are also there, like you're having to do this again. Yeah. And I understand narratively why maybe it was admitted by Sean Durkin. Like you don't want to erase somebody from a family's history, but 
you are making a movie here and you're trying to tell the most economic and efficient story you can in the time you have to tell a story. So I get it. Um, but it's brutal. Yeah. It's so brutal. The, the youngest brother was the one that Jack jr. Yeah. Jack jr. Died when he was five or six. Cause no, he, not the youngest, youngest, oh. my bad. The youngest one that we have been privy to in the, Oh sure. Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Though. Can I tell the Jack jr. Story? Cause I feel like yeah. it's relevant in real life. This child who was never seen in this movie except in that sort of uh, afterlife uh, sequence was tripped on a on a trailer tongue and was electrocuted, was alive, then drowned in a puddle of snowdrift. What? And like, I don't believe in curses, but at some point you're like, what's <laughs> what the fuck's going on here? You know what Seriously. I mean? Seriously, like, I don't know. Like, I I don't know. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's so awful. And at some point, you're like, "Well, the curse is clearly the the dad, tr like being so fixed on this, and like, yeah, oh, I don't know." Yeah, and that's why for me, like, a big part of this movie, I took away as kind of a commentary on mental health. Sure, like, there's obvious themes of that, and how yeah. it was mismanaged, and you know, this is like the the how not to communicate with your children type of of guidebook. Um, but the, the, the scenes that got me the most by a lot were, was Stanley's character arc because Stanley, I'm sorry, Mike Von Erich played yep. by Stanley, sure, yeah. played by Stanley Simon. Sure. Wanted to shout out the actor. He was definitely he's not a wrestler. He's not a wrestler, dude. No. He's taller. He's gangly. He's a musician. He's a musician. He's like, a, he's like yeah, he's a, he's free, an artist. He's an artist. He's a free spirit. He, and then you know, in desperately seeking father's approval, agrees to wrestle. And he has a good band. Like the song was a little repetitive. Well, they're all right. I mean, they were fine. They're a good band. Yeah. Can we, he, come on. I know, but come on. They're better at playing music than he was at wrestling. Big time. So let him do it. Yeah. And he just had such an innocence about him. His arc for me was the most impactful. It was soul crushing watching him try and be a wrestler and then get hurt in the ring. And, and then he had a fever. No, he had shoulder surgery Yeah, and then went into shock. Of, yeah. There were complications. There were complications. Caused him brain damage. Yeah. And then he went into a coma because he was ran like spiked a fever of 107 for like two mm -hmm. hours. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have like a fever, 104, you have to go to the doctor, like the ER, like yeah. you'll cook your brain. Yeah. So this poor kid just came out of that completely altered and, and a shell of his former self and couldn't really eat. Yeah. Just watching him struggle with a fork was just mm -hmm. any human with a heart is going to just mm -hmm. break. I mean, the family just starts to disintegrate. It's, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's truly brutal. It's a really, yeah. I don't think I'm going to ever watch it again. Right. I will, because I want to know what's coming and I want to be ready for it and absorb it in the intention with oh. which it's presented. I think, I think some of the scenes will hit harder if you kind of understand the characters and where the movie's going, like there's, yeah, I really think Lily James is a awesome breath of fresh air in this movie. She plays Pam. Yeah. Ends up being Kevin's wife and they have kids together. And, um, she's so empathic and supportive. Like there's another scene in the trailer where she's asking him in a diner, like, Hey, you know, Kevin, what do you want in life? And his, it's played as a joke. He's like, I have more ribs. Or like, I want to play with my brothers. But like, that's really all this guy knows is like, he's been conditioned just to like, bulk up, work out, play with his brothers. But, and you said early on, he's like sort of a simpler guy. Um, and I think that's true. He's got simple desires. And he just wants to be part of his own family. 
and his family is just like dropping like flies and yeah. and and she sees that love that he has and like in that moment she goes over and hugs him and that whole scene felt to me sort of comedic but i bet you going back around and watching it knowing where this movie goes is when he just says i just want my brothers and she holds him i mean that'll that'll yeah. that'll probably be a rough scene on a rewatch for me this movie would be better on a second watch just, yeah, just, I'm sure it would be better. It yeah. would also be more painful. Yeah, but I, I want that. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All that to say, Mike Von Erich, Stanley Simmons, yeah. Simon's character, yeah. was the worst. The way he just walked off into the woods with his sleeping bag and his flashlight. Yeah. And like you knew he had taken half a bottle of pills. Yeah. Dude, I think I cried more at that than I did at the end. It I, was just, ugh. You also get sort of a close-up shot of his suicide note, which I can't, yeah. I don't, I don't want to even risk butchering it, but- it was two lines, really, really small in the top left corner of a sheet of paper. Yeah. Uh, and I, again, I'm not going to risk it, but it was brutal. Yeah, I think it said, I'm You're sorry if I hurt you. I'm going to a better place. It said something like that. Yeah. But not exactly that. No. Yeah, it was it was brutal. The emotional payoff at the end. I loved it, though. I love that Can scene. Can we discuss the final I, I, scene? I, yeah, we have to end on a high note here with the, the danger zone. So, so I mentioned it earlier. It's a scene where you sort of get this two-shot, and one is Zac Efron. Now we're in the future, and, and we're looking at him from behind. Uh, sort of a, a wide shot of this grassy knoll where his two sons are playing football, which is a visual callback for all of us to when he and his brothers and his dad was playing football. Mm-hmm. And for a moment, it's, I mean, it's like sunny out. It's peaceful. It's, it's a serene shot. And I, I can't speak for you, but I was like, all right, he's happy. At least, at least now, like we're okay. And then the camera flips. Yeah. And he's just sobbing. Yeah. Just tears crying. I mean, it's awful. Yeah. How did you read that last scene? Because obviously there's a conversation that happens after that shot doesn't just end, doesn't cut to black there. But like, you know, what do you think of the last scene? At first, it it played like heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Like he's watching his boys play football, and obviously, we saw that scene not that long ago with him and his brothers playing football. And it's you can't help but think that he's thinking back to the time when his brothers were alive, and he had that, and he's not old enough to not have that. Yeah. So I mean, there's a sense of of being robbed of a family that you had by some you know galactic injustice. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's the way it read until his sweet, adorable sons started yeah. interacting with him. Yeah, and the conversation is essentially like they see him crying. And he apologizes. Well, yeah, so he does the thing that, of course, he will do because that's how he was raised. He said, sorry, boys, like you shouldn't see me crying. It's like, you know, men don't cry. Yeah. Um, and either right before that or right after, the kids are like, you know, that everybody cries. That's the part they say after. But The then, littlest one's like, I cry all the time. All the time. But I think before that, they ask him why he's sad. And, and his line is that I, I, I guess I'm sad because I used to be a brother. And now I'm not a brother. And it just hits so yeah. hard. Uh, and then I think they say, well, we'll be your brothers. And then it's really, I mean, it's it's, it was so it's sweet. heartbreaking, but it's yeah. its such a nice sense for this character to finally kind of, uh, if it's not too on the nose, like break the family curse. Totally. Which if you want to read it, which I think you probably could, as being this overbearing sort of terrible I, I don't even think the dad is like a bad guy necessarily, but you know, you could probably chalk it up to the way he was raised. And before that, like it's the curse being broken is breaking that sort of horrible communication and, yeah. and way of treating each other and like acknowledging that we're going to try to move past and, you know, 
try to be okay. Yeah. And not just tamp everything down. Just like, get the belt. Mm-hmm. It's breaking generational totally. trauma. Yeah. And that's what that scene was. It was him like shedding the skin that was his father. Yeah. And like just becoming a better person. Yeah. And that was beautiful. Yeah. The movie ends properly with a, I think a slide saying that, you know, Kevin is still alive, married to Pam. It's 40 years later. And, uh, the only surviving member of the family, but you know, is is doing okay. He's got so many kids and grandkids. There was a great shot of that too. I By the way, that. he jumped into the ring, Kevin did in 2014. Whoa. In a, an actual wrestling event. What? I believe with his two sons. Whoa. I saw this clip today when I was researching the movie and making notes and all that. Um, where he does the iron claw. And he's probably like, you know, he's in his like 60s. Sweet. But he's looking good. Like he's dressed really nicely. He's he's lean. He seems like he's in good shape. And like his boys are in trouble on on the the mat the, mm-hmm. in the ring and yeah the, yeah both and does correct. does the the claw and like gets this guy down like the ref's losing his mind uh, and the the announcer's like this is unbelievable Kevin Von Erich is back to face with the iron claw it's really it's a great <laughs> save you should you should check it out it's on YouTube we might have to watch that at uh, the break it's pretty great um, speaking of breaks I feel pretty good on this movie. Um, which is not to say I feel pretty good while talking about this. I was going to say, but I have discussed what is wrong things with you? that I think need discussion. I agree. So I think we're there. I'm probably ready for another beer. If you are, yeah. You think people should watch this? Oh, 100. percent It's yeah. one of the best movies of the year. I love Definitely it. go see it. Looking forward to see there's see where this falls on your uh, your top. Likewise, 10, we're going to be 20. getting to our top tens in the next probably month or so. Yeah, uh, maybe actually slightly. I think I want to say like five weeks, but mm-hmm. uh, so we can catch up with some stuff that's finally becoming available to us normal people for real. Um, all right. Well, we're going to grab another beer. Um, I don't think I have anything that I need to say to anybody on the radio yet because we're not quite out of your ears. Um, so stick around and we'll be right back with beer number two. All right. We're back with beer number two. Uh, it's right up Johnny's alley. It's a triple New England IPA. It's Well, which isn't even untrue. I think if you're going to have to drink what could potentially be a very sweet uh, IPA, at least it's 10.1%. Fair enough, maybe? Yeah, at least. The push might be worth the squeeze. This one's called Moderate Fleek. It's a, again, it's a triple IPA. It's brewed with Strata, Mosaic, Nelson Salvin. Fairly straightforward these days in terms of hot profiles. So let's see what happens. He's pouring it into my glass for all you, all you listeners out there. Quite a bit ahead, I'd say. Um, an almost amateur amount of head. That's has a been perfect amount of glass. head. Um, and we've got our, our studio here a little bit. How would you do? Give me two adjectives to describe the room. In terms of lighting, sexy. Sure. That's, yeah, that's right. Yep. Um, smoldering. Could I throw that out? Smoldering. I would say sultry. Sultry is great. Yeah, we've got our sort of, uh, you know, the the main the main lights off. We got some spotlighting going from our LED panels and some some, you know, uh, the bush light neon is lit up. No, it isn't. <laughs> Damn it! Shoot, it will be. Uh, and our sort of corner vertical lamps. Um, cascading a palette of colors along the 90 degree angles of the drywall on here it's very Very nice nice. okay we're very well lit yeah we're we're moderately fleeked lit yeah let's get on track are we about to get moderately fleeked let's get fleeked up let's do it moderate i did this don't worry about it we're past this oh yeah did it all so let's talk about the beer strata mosaic yeah i said yeah yeah. it's fine here we go try your beer (laughs) (laughs) come on and I said I already did all this too. You just you just tell me what you're experiencing in your your three prominent face holes. Hmm. Okay. It's smooth. It is less. You know, there's no fruit, so it's 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 more traditionally flavored. You mean it's not made with fruit? Yes. Right. In that the first one had it. No, I know. What you mean. Yep. Yeah. It's 
much more approachable. Sweet as hell. It's very sweet. It's very sweet. It's more approachable for me in just the fact that it doesn't have those that uh-huh. fruit in it. But my God. Well, it's boozy sweet. It's boozy sweet. It's not so it's not so New England. I mean, it is New England sweet, but it's it's the sweetness, the cloying over the top sweetness is a booziness that is really hard to ignore. Mm-hmm. And also on the first drink, I would say a little hard to enjoy if I can if I may be so bold. It's a little aggressive and and quite thick, uh-huh. quite boozy. It is quite sweet. I mean, it's it's clear that it'll get you there. It's a big swing. It's a huge swing. It's a huge. Um, it's not moderate, dude. The world of the world of triple IPAs has already sort of got a smaller population than other IPAs, but the 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 the, the tiny town of delicious triple IPAs in that already kind of small world is a small town. I mean, this is a this is a one Starbucks kind of have a post office sized town, mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of people that live there. Definitely don't have a Dunkin'. And I no, of course not. Or maybe like one's moving in next to a Dollar General, like it's being sort of commodified into sort of, a, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like South Dakota sized town with like big city vibes trying to move in. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I'm losing the thread for this analogy, to be honest with you. The point is, I'm not sure if this is going to gain admittance to that town of, of high, forget the analogy, of all of the great triple IPAs that I've had, which are few, I'm not sure this is going to make the list. No, I've only had one drink, and I think it's okay at best. But that might change. I've had two drinks, and I'm not stoked on it. It's it's rough in that it it really it it's a huge swinging beer in that it takes so much sweetness and combines it with so much booze, and there's so much bitterness. Like at some point, those three things should balance each other out in a recipe. They I should like give me some sense of being well rounded. But this is just like, nope, I'm going to be super sweet, I'm going to be super boozy, I'm going to be super hoppy, I'm going to be too much of everything all at once. I kind of like it. What? I had a second drink. I kind of like it. And you're not wrong. All that's correct. All that's factually right. And you like it. It doesn't bother me. Whoa. I think it's sort of like, you know, it's it's a bit of, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a sort of cinema of excess, but beer of excess. It's like, you know, you don't get mad when there's a shootout in a Quentin Tarantino movie. It's like that. It's just going for it. It's it's a huge. It's just sending it all the way. Full send. Yeah, it's dropping nukes. I feel all like day. the the name is kind of like a joke. It's a it's a misnomer for sure. It's, it's like, this should be this should be <laughs> extreme fleek, super fleek. You know, it'd be fun to do. Um, because if there's two, there's three beers that have fleek in the title. We could do moderate fleek on fleek, and I'm sure there's another one. And we drink all those in one shot, and we just hit record, send it, baby. Do you want to throw up on the radio again? I don't want to throw, and I've never thrown up on the radio. Oh, I'm sorry. That was just the podcast. I would never put that on the radio, (laughs) and I would never do that today. This is you're talking like you're talking five years ago. That's a different me, Um, but but a fleek nonetheless. Yeah, I just think you know, there's probably another fleek beer. There's another fleek beer. We could find it, but more importantly, I'm saying I do like this. That's it's it's over the top. It's insane, but I'm kind of here for it. Like it's it's so much of a beer. It's not nuanced. It's it's almost the perfect counterpoint um, in a lot of ways to like the emotional beats we're talking about in the Iron Claw. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's it's like the boy. It's like what I expected the Iron Claw to be, which is huge and loud and rambunctious and like kind of fun and like throwing caution to the wind. That's what this beer is. So maybe I'm sort of 
inserting that from the desires I had from that movie as much as I loved it. Um, it there was an itch that was never scratched, nor did I remember it was even itchy until just now. And boy, is this beer scratching it. This is great. I love this beer. It's so good. You just remember <laughs> you were itchy. Well, you know what I mean. I'm, I'm, today is a day of tossing out loose metaphors. That's we're, what I'm about today. Um, just so you know, in wrestling, sure. when like when Ric Flair got on the mic, and yeah, he yeah. was like, I'm a Rolex wearing. Just yeah. limo wait side outside yeah, waiting yeah. for me. Yeah. That's called cutting a promo. Oh, sure. So that's that's a very key turn of phrase when it comes to professional sure. wrestling. I'm so a like, triple IPA drinking, making no sense of analogies, beer sipping podcast host, and I'm here to stay. Itch have itch have. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ric Flair cut a great promo. Y- you know that name, right? Yeah, yeah. He, like, sort of transcend, not transcended, but Woo! existed beyond it's the nature boy. Story. Yeah. He's Come a, on, man. Yeah. He's a pop culture icon. There's a, also, not to jump back into movie territory too much, but, like, there's also a video of him wrestling Carrie that's mm-hmm. on YouTube, pretty uh, available. Mm-hmm. I would check that out if I were you, too. Yeah. I've it's seen it. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's fantastic. Have you seen it in the context of having seen this movie? Like, no. Did you watch it in the past couple days? No. Check it out again. Gives you an appreci- a new appreciation for. I will. You know, sort of the all of it ecosystem in which that exists. Yeah, I was a big fan of pro wrestling towards the end of Ric Flair's career. Yeah, I watched him wrestle a few times live. All right, it's pretty cool. All right, not got, in li- live in right. person, live on live TV. on television because sure. they used to have weekly events. Yeah. on television, it Monday Night Raw. Like they, it's still a thing, dude. That is still a thing. Yeah, I have cable. I know this. It's sad, right? And you can't watch the movies I'm telling you to watch because you got no time. I watched, watched one of the movies you suggested. We'll get there in a minute. week. So, but you, before that, you can't even throw that shade. It's not allowed. <laughs> I watched one this. Do week. Do you not like this beer anymore? Having like adjusted the context of the beer, like I feel like it's better when you think of it as like just cranking it to eleven. And I don't even think that. I think objectively, I'm right. It is better that way. <laughs> but now, that is, that's not to say you'll like it. But I am right. This beer is like trying to shoot it. I would love your opinion, moon. but just so you know, I'm objectively right. If I want your I, opinion, if you'll recognize that I I'm correct. love this, I love it's, this journey that you're on. It makes me so happy. Yeah, it's where we're at today. It's better when you think of it as being over the top. I think it's that's a full objective. send. Yes, it's, it's a full send, and it's not undrinkable. No, no, it's no. not poorly made. Like I'm taking this back to a you know beer review 101, and your beer is gone. Good Lord. About five minutes ago, I checked the candles. Like, is there any more? And there's not because it's in your glass. Yeah. Now, if you don't rate this at least within two points of what I rate it, I'm taking the rest of your beer. That's and I'm a, putting it in my mouth. That's fair. Because I'm Max Minardi, and I take people's beer when they don't finish their beer. I'm a, If I like that beer more than you, I'm going to put it in my mouth, <laughs> yeah. and you ain't going to do nothing about yeah. it because you a chump. Yeah. So and not to say we're quite ready to rate it yet, but I, I, I'm pretty sure I know my rating. Okay. Well- it's. I would say that it's enjoyable. I am liking okay. drinking it. Okay, it is a lot. Like you have to be on board. It's a lot for a lot. Like a lot, a lot. Like kind of. It's keep bringing it back to movies. It's. It's that's why we do this show. That's yeah, why it's the man. perfect beer and movies are the perfect pairing, and we should make these connections more than we. It's do. like you were going to see Batman Forever, and you oh, got yeah. the Robert Pattinson one. Is Batman it, Forever the Keaton? Or is it Clooney? No, that's Val Kilmer. Oh, I was forgot Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. As Mr. Freeze. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. All right. Uma Thurman. I know, I know. Jim Carrey? Jim Carrey. Yeah. Uh, Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones. Jones. <laughs> Not Danny DeVito. That couldn't possibly be in the no, same movie. Okay. That was the, okay. uh, the previous. All right. One of the previous. Continue. Uh, but it's like that. You go in expecting a lighthearted silly goose time, and it's like, nope, 
We're going to swing for the fences. Are you saying this is the Val Kilmer or this is the Pattinson? Because uh, I feel like you're saying this is the Pattinson and what we got is Val Kilmer. I said it the other way, but yeah. the way you just corrected it makes more sense. Because that's what this is. Yeah. This is Jim Carrey, Uma Thurman, yeah. Schwarzenegger. Just, it's Tommy Lee Jones. The Mr. Freeze. Yeah. Chill out. Chill it's out. so good. It's the best. And my point of all this is that once you are on board with knowing what this beer, if not was trying to be, what it has become for us right now, I think it's better. Also, shout out Alicia Silverstone, who's going to come up later. Uh, was she in that movie? She was Batgirl. Oh, yeah. What was that, like 1996, maybe? Seven? Something like that. Something like With that. the most epic movie theme song ever, Kiss from a Rose by Seal. We've done this before, by the way, where you've sang all the lyrics to that song. Uh, you probably don't remember because you wouldn't do that unless you were a little bit drunk. Know, a yeah. little bit. <laughs> yeah. But it's great. It's a bonus episode we've done on Patreon. Really? It's awesome. And, and I'll give myself a pat on the back here. I synced up that song and I cut it up to you saying the lyrics because you were saying you don't know what the lyrics are. So we read the lyrics and you read them line for line. And I chopped up the song line for line and played it underneath and speed adjusted it to match what you were saying. It oh. was pretty great. Um, I would love Where? to. I didn't know that existed. Yeah, you could, I literally, I think I put kissed or kissed from a rose in the episode title. So you, you can, you, Johnny can go back and find it if you oh want, as well as anybody dude. listening. Love that. Let's rate this beer. Let's do it. Okay. Um, do you know your number? Yep. Okay. Mine's an eight. Where are you at? Seven, five, seven, five. All right. You can, you can enjoy the rest of your beer in peace. I think I still might give it to you. You will. Yeah. Well, that's really sweet, man. I'm it's almost her. Christmas. Yeah. By which I mean it was Christmas like recently. So it's like almost, almost goes Christmas. both ways. It does. Um, 7.5 for you. Really incredible. Because like where did you think you were going to start with this rating? Because I think for you it was going to be like a three. Yeah, it came out of the gate really aggressive. And I think yeah. it might have been like too cold. All right. I don't know about that. Like it's maybe. You've, you still got a whole glass. Yeah. Mine's gone. I'm saying when I first consumed it, it felt very um, – compartmentalized in its its flavor qualities there sure, was sure. too much sweetness too many hops too much of this blah 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 um it, as it warmed up just the tiniest bit it uh it became a more cohesive drinking experience i agree actually i, I noticed that in the second half of my my glass as well give me grief and then agree with me all right once again you've been listening to fresh hop cinema possibly on kzfr 90.1 fm weird conversation when the sun is still up if you have feedback on anything we've discussed today, you can call or text us 530-433-0839. Again, our number is 530-433-0839. Or feel free to send us a good old-fashioned email to fhccast at gmail.com. Next week for our podcast listeners on the show, we'll be talking about Poor Things, the latest from um, The Lobster and the favorite director, Yorgos Lanthimos. Uh, the film stars Emma Stone, amongst others, as a uh, Pinocchio-esque Frankensteinian character named Bella on an adventure to discover what it means to be alive. That is uh, in theaters now. It's certainly going to be in contention for award season, which is coming up very soon. It's a movie I've been looking forward to for a very long time. Um, amongst the other cast that I hinted at, you got Willem Dafoe. You got Whoa. Mark Ruffalo. What? Um, you've got some really, really astounding visuals that that – you know, don't say from less. the trailers feels very fairy taleish, but also like very grounded in sort of modern society commentary. Mm. I'm so stoked for this movie. Uh, I'm going to be seeing it 
I'll, I'll tell you, Johnny. I'm off the air probably. Um, but we should see it together. It's going to be fantastic. I've All heard right. Emma Stone's given an incredible career performance. Check it out. Uh, again, it's called Poor Things, and we're covering it next week. We'll cover some beers also. We can't preview those because we don't know yet. As a reminder to our radio listeners, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes the always unpredictable hot and bothered segment where you get to know a little bit more about me and Max, yeah. or if you want to go digging through seven plus years worth of episodes going all the way back to 2016, my God, so long, head over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema. Yeah, we'll be back on the radio waves of KZFR next Saturday, of course, at 4 p.m. So until then, listen... Watch some movies that make you happy. Expand your your horizons as a movie goer. Drink some beers that expand your palates. Uh, and if you enjoyed the show, you can leave a tip for KZFR at kzfr.org. Please do, regardless of whatever you're doing during that time. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And to those of you currently, you know, uh, lighten up a, a nice cozy fire in your living room or or making a white Russian to decompress from the holidays, just... We'll be right back with Hot and Bothered. There's a beverage here, man. <laughs> Hot and Bothered. All right, welcome to Hot and Bothered. It's where we're catching up with each other, mostly, and you get to be privy to those conversations. Yeah, dude. Uh, today, we are actually talking about some stuff that you might care about if you only listen to the show for the stuff that the show is technically about, which is movies and beers. Um, I've watched a few films since we've last spoken. I think you may have as well. I've watched one. Should we start with non-movie, non-beer stuff? I don't care. Yeah, let's do that. You're driving the ship. Okay, please, Johnny, you first. Please, non-movie. Um, okay, so last weekend was Christmas. We had a week off. It was dope. Uh, Did we, we have a week off? We took the week off of Christmas. I didn't we see were supposed right. to see Wonka. I watched it, and then you're like, hey, let's record next week. Oh, that was two week. weeks ago. Yeah, no. No, this is Christmas. That was last week. Nope. Nope. No, no, we didn't record last week. Well, we are you did. Ask, we, we did. No, we did not. Oh, we just did our bonus episode. We did our Christmas bonus episode, which this, is why it's so on Saturday. Correct. Yeah. Sorry, I'm thinking for our Patreon subscribers. I was like, no, we didn't skip. Like we did a Christmas episode, which we did. Yeah. But you're right; it wasn't the normal. Yeah. Episode. No, we took but a it was week like an off. hour and fifteen. Yeah, we had fun. We drank some beers. It yeah. was great. Okay. You're we right. took a week off of the actual show for Christmas. Yes, we did. We got together last Saturday. Yes. And just shot the shit. It was great. Um, this last weekend yeah. was, in fact, Christmas. Yeah. And I had Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Or, no, I'm sorry. Sunday. Saturday, Sunday, yeah. Monday off. I had three yeah. days off. Yep. I had made a vow to myself to not go into public on my days off. Just out of spite and uh, disdain for the holiday cheer okay. and sure. road rage that has been permeating the world i was just done with people i'm over it made an exception for you right the listener you okay. maxwell all right, all you all right, all right came out to see you at the commons it was great i love when you play there it's always such a good vibe it's fun they they've been having some really cool beers on tap lately so have I, they i was into it yeah i had a good. really great ipa from ghost town oh i had that, that too that's like not good beer it's good beer not distributed up here I, byron one of the owners makes a lot of runs and put some miles yeah brings brings in some good beers so that was a blast you had a, a full accoutrement uh michael bone was oh, out band. there yeah yeah rob delgardo rob delgardo and, and webby Moore webby. for the second half of the show yeah the webmeister he had a gig before and walked across the street you know what us. he showed up late and he ripped it so you know if you're gonna show up late 
you lay it down hard, yeah, you get a pass. Yeah. Good so night. that Good was night. a blast. I had a great time. I invited a bunch of people out. Sweet. And instead of getting to just sit there alone and watch you play, mm-hmm. I had to socialize. I think we need to shout out our other patron, Jason, who I I knew you were coming, but he didn't know that. So he was like, who's going to be here? And I was like, I don't know, dude. Who can you invite? And so he called you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and as far as Jason knows, and and if he doesn't hear this, then he'll still think it. He got he got you out there. Yeah, and good for you, Jason. Thank you, man. Thanks for bringing Johnny out. And you know what? A lot of times on a Friday night, if like I say I'm gonna go to something, I mm-hmm. might a good chance I won't go. Yeah, I know a lot of people say like you know like the expression like I'm a man of my word. Like no. I've never heard you say that. No, because I am, and if I actually do say I will, but I oh. don't give my word out. Oh, I see. Yeah. I don't have a word that I I throw about willy nilly that I have to like follow up on. Sure, sure. So yeah, sure. I'm a man of my word, but you don't get the word my word. Is I'm not coming. You don't get my word. <laughs> like you don't get that. Yeah. You don't get that. And but there's been a few gigs where I've said I will be there, and I've always shown up. Have for always you. shown up. When I say maybe, it's a fuck no. It's a no. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but he, if there was any reason for me to be. On the fence, he would have pushed me over. I think that's. I fair. love that guy. Yeah, we we saw him earlier that day. We Rob and I, when we were kind of prepping for that show, we were like, "Let's get lunch." And uh, I saw you cut a sweet promo at Burgers and Brew. Oh yeah, I did. Because uh, there was like some confusion about the time we were starting, so we had like it was a later start than a, usual. No, it's the exact same start as usual, oh. eight to ten. But the comments had posted, you know, seven to nine. So we had some people show up like at six forty-five. Oh, and I remember thinking like, "They're here pretty early." But I thought it might happen, so we like made a video at that Burgers and be like, "Hey, we're starting at 8. but not everybody got that video, so I had to be like, "Hey, sorry, like we're not starting for another, you know, hour and a half. Sorry about that." And they're like, "That's all right, we'll hang out." You got some good fans. Yeah, they they stuck around. I respect that. Yeah. So, anyways, that was a blast. I had a great time. The one family tradition that I have been beholden to for many a year. Yes. At this time, my mother's favorite thing to do. Mm-hmm. Is get all of her children, all the grandkids, together, and go to the ballet. Oh, so fun! A week ago, this Sunday, we went to see the ballet of the Nutcracker up at the Paradise Performing Arts Center. That's great. It was the most Christmassy thing that I had done. That's the last thing I would expect for you to do. That's so great for you, man. Yeah, Good job. I went to the. I'm a man of culture. Max. Sure, sure, of sure, sure. Substance. Yeah. Um, I was. Not violently hungover, but it was very close. It yeah. was in the ballpark of, I don't know if I can leave my bathroom, much less sit through a ballet. Oh, no. Yeah. What time was that? Was it at 10 in the morning? Um, I had to be up there. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, shame yourself. Come on. <laughs> like, shame. I think it was at like 7, 2 p.m. Oh, it's not. that's not in the nighttime. No, it's okay. mid-afternoon. Dude, if I'm that hungover at 7, like, take me to the hospital. Well. Yeah. I'm a professional. Okay. Like that that's a sign. How was the show? It was fantastic. Uh they usually have uh and I have a good um barometer on this because I've been going up there every year to see yep. this ballet for many, many, many years since I was like eight. Yeah. Uh, we took a few years off, but we're we're back on the horse. It's nice. It's great. Um they have mostly local talent. A lot of it is high school students. And Great. some college age, you know, dancers that are out there doing it, and usually one or two, like touring, performing mm-hmm. ballet dancers, mm-hmm. um, and they obviously play like the the titular roles. So it's it's yeah. it's usually pretty compelling ballet, and 
the costumes I think were better than I've seen in the last five or six years. Nice. This this time, the just vibrant colors. I love the Victorian garb, and just the whole vibe of it. And uh, the the actual set pieces, the the crew mm-hmm. did an amazing job. Good. It was uh, a fantastic performance and. Luckily, the only food and drink allowed in the building was uh, bottled Ch- water. Chocolate? Okay. Yeah. So I, I grabbed a couple bottles of water yeah. <laughs> and uh, a couple of my nieces, uh, one who is, I think, 19 and the other is 17. This was their first time seeing Nutcracker. Okay. They'd never been to a ballet and they right. flanked me left and yeah, right. Yeah. So it was fantastic getting to enjoy that with them for the first time. And it was something steeped in Christmas tradition and it makes makes the matriarch of our family happy so it was incredibly worthwhile and it felt good to to hear some Tchaikovsky played super loud right they don't have a symphony there obviously it's it's just paradise it's not that crazy yeah but they're playing the it's all the same like if you close your eyes it sounds similar. exactly but so many just iconic pieces of music played and some really impressive dancing and great costumes and it's something I like to do with my family once a year because it does take me so out of my normal realm of mm-hmm. entertainment mm-hmm. Uh, that I kind of look forward to it. I was just yeah. stoked on it. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to power through this because my company Christmas party was the night before. I recall. You saw me. You yes. were there. Yes. Did I look like I was in any condition to go to the ballet tomorrow? Well, I afternoon? left kind of early, but no, I will say even then you seem like you shouldn't have even been in public. I rocked it. Yeah, it was great. awesome. And that was all I have for non-movie and 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 such okay. things. Um, I've got one thing, which is uh, well, one to two things. Number one is a is a YouTube channel recommendation for movie fans, and like I think once or twice a year, I'll find a brand new YouTube channel that I will wholeheartedly just like like I will watch whatever they put out okay. when it comes out. And this is a singular person named Patrick H. Willems. Um, Johnny, you can see on the screen what I've got pulled up. And and the first move or the first video I saw from him was a, uh, a video called "How to Analyze Movies: Film Studies 101," and he spends about an hour and a half, Patrick and his crew, damn, discussing one of the perhaps most iconic films to ever be studied, Home Alone, obviously, a John Hughes film, uh, and he goes, he makes a very good case for this film being quite artistic and and the whole premise of this video is like look if you want to watch a movie just to enjoy a movie you can but good movies will allow you to dig deeper so he goes i mean he talks about everything that you look for in film which is you know like type of camera angle or shot used like color uh importance in film music uh i mean it, it goes on and on um staging blocking Dialogue. It's it's really fantastic, and, and and a movie like Home Alone, which everybody has seen, but nobody really gives a second thought to, is a pretty complex movie. <laughs> he does a really good job. So since I discovered him about a week and a half ago, I've been watching a lot of his films. Um, you mean his YouTube? I'm gonna keep calling them films because they're very cinematic. Like he does a good job. Like I have a question. Sure, go. My hand is raised. Yeah. Did you watch the whole hour and a half Home Alone breakdown? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, it's great. Bro, you have so much time. He did all so I like I like I listened to it. Okay. I was driving. That's okay. But like I put and I well, I guess I'm on record since we're recording, but I put my phone kind of in front of my speedometer. Okay. And when there was something visual, like when he said something that required me to look, I would look, but then I would look look back at the road. 
know what I mean? Okay. I'm not watching, but I am. Um, <laughs> it's, he's done, not good, <laughs> it's but okay. Um, he's done some talking about like Zack Snyder, um, the epidemic of like turning, uh, you know, superhero movies into R-rated movies. That looks dope. I want to watch that one. Which one are you saying? I went to India to learn about Bollywood. Sure. Oh, speaking of that, he has a whole video about RRR. <sighs> Which is great because RRR is great. It's the best. RRR is such a good movie. I got a random text from my wife today mm-hmm. at like one o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, RRR is the best. Movie oh, she ever. was watching it today. She was just had it on. It's so good. She's like, I want the soundtrack on vinyl so I can just Dude, wiggle. I was watching it the other day. Like I, I just put it on sometimes. Sure, it's so good. It's so good. Um, it's legitimately like the top ten movies I've ever seen. It's up there, man. Um. Anyways, he's got other videos called like like Knives Out Ruins Cinema. Here's why. I've not seen that and that bothers me, so I want to watch it cuz I, I I don't agree. But I would love to who hear knows? you maybe we can get him on the podcast. You can argue with maybe. Him. Um f- film criticism is essentially like using your observations of a movie and making a case for what you think of it mm-hmm. and through any given lens. So like like a you know, like a case for Hitchcock might be like like auteur theory, like or, or or like Barry Jenkins to be more modern. Like you look at these films made by or like Lars von Trier, and you look at each film or Fincher through the lens of the mind of the director. Like that's auteur theory in essence. It's like you analyze those movies through that lens. Um, Didn't know that. Okay, feminism I'm is one. Learning. You, you you could watch a movie or through like the male gaze. You could watch a movie thinking specifically about any number of themes or topics or, or directors mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. It's great. Um, and he does a bunch of, of videos like this. There's our, our, the biggest blockbuster you've never heard of. <laughs> Not true, Patrick. We've heard of it. Oh yeah. Um, I really, really recommend checking out his channel. If you're at all interested in like movie analysis, even a little, I might do the same thing and just throw it on YouTube while I'm driving. Do it. And listen. It's, it's really great. I think you really enjoy it. Um, my other two are movies. So let's go. I've got two. You've got one. So I, I'll, I'll shout out one that came out earlier this year, which is The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar, which is about a 42 minute short film from Wes Anderson. Went straight to Netflix. It was a series of three he did, yeah? Yeah. They're, they're adaptations of Roald Dahl stories. Um, and I can't think of the name of the other ones right now, the names of the other ones. Um, but this one stars a number of people uh, Dev Patel, Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, Ray Fiennes is in it, and it's just this fantastical story um, of a man reading a book about a man who learned to see without the use of his eyes, and it's wonderful. It's very Wes Anderson-y. Um, the emphasis of the whole thing is on sort of the staging and the set design. It's it's sort of like one long take of like a play kind of it's really good it's it's very idiosyncratic of wes anderson it's goofy it's it's charming it's so fun it's on netflix it's it's a really worthwhile watch if you like the style of wes anderson if you don't it's going to be super annoying but i loved it so that's my first recommendation slash what i was trying to catch up with for this year those have been on my radar for a while yeah to, to sit down and watch those yeah what you got i fulfilled a promise hmm finally yeah what you got? Which one? I watched Reptile. Yeah. Okay. Tell me more. Uh, it was last night. Football had ended. The Chinese food was settling. What is Reptile? I, I know, but they don't. The Chinese food was settling in my stomach. And I thought to myself, I should 
make my friend happy. Okay. Because he said, here's a thing that I know you would like. Not yes. like, this is a good film. This is uh, hot couture or uh, what would you say? Are you trying I, to say auteur theory? No, auteur theory. Hot couture is a fashion term. and you, you, You'll get it. All Google right. it. It's fine. Um, yeah. You said you specifically, Johnny Summers, would like this. Was I right? You were right. Okay, cool. Reptile. 2023 film yeah. released kind of straight to Netflix, mm-hmm. directed by Grant Singer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it stars Benicio del Toro, Alicia Silverstone, Justin Timberlake. Those are the main three. That's fair. Yeah. Um, you were very accurate in your description of it being a gritty, uh, semi nostalgic, like late 90s, early 2000s crime thriller. Do you have a plot synopsis for listeners by chance? Close yeah. by? Following the brutal murder of a young real estate agent, a hardened detective attempts to uncover the truth in a case where nothing is as it seems, and by doing so, dismantles the illusion in his own life. You liked it. It was great. It's pretty good, right? Like, it was super solid. And like, doesn't quite feel like a modern movie, but is very efficient yeah. at what it's trying to do, which feels like kind of mid-2000s. Yeah, and it, it really got me kind of gripping a few mm-hmm. times. There were mm-hmm. scenes where I was just like, oh God. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, God. And then yeah. it also has this element of like a whodunit. Yes. You know, you're just- Of course. Like, I, it's like whole... conspiracy. It's like it's like there's a mole somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it was fantastic because it, it compels you as the viewer- to figure it out mm-hmm. with this main character who you're always kind of still suspicious. You're of. like, are you the bad are guy? You? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it had those elements of like, let's watch this and solve this mystery mm. together. And it had strong, strong first season true detective vibes for me. Totally. I love yeah. like a jaded, tortured detective. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's like a genre of cinema that I love that I didn't know I loved until I watched this. And I was kind of trying to compartmentalize it yeah. in my head. Like, what kind of movie is this? You know, or like I think you like neo noir. I think that's what you need. We've touched on that before, and I think yeah. you're right. Yeah, and it I must think, be. Help me find some more movies like this. Do you love Blade Runner? Yeah. 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 You've seen LA Confidential? Oh yeah. Okay. Like, yeah, you want neo noir. You want you want like you want movies where the guy, whoever Probably a guy. I I would love to see some female-led neonors. Um, I'm sure they're out there, but like you want the main character to be smoking a cigarette, looking over a dead body, wondering what the fuck's gone wrong. Yeah, and like having a narrative overlay, being like, so then I walk to the cafe down the corner, and like, and then you need corruption. Mm-hmm. You're talking neonor. Yeah, I think I am. You are for sure. I gotta I gotta find more. Yeah, hit me with your neonor sure. like best ofs. Sure, because this. Speaking of itches that you didn't know were itchy and then they got scratched. Yeah. This movie did yeah. that. Like yeah. True Detective season one did that so mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, it was perfect. So this was fantastic. I think it was well worth a watch. I really like Benicio Del Toro in this role. Um, yep. You had mentioned people have said that it was one of his best roles since Sicario. And I would agree with that. I don't even think, I think I was quoting some reviewer that I saw like, mm. hit, like Benicio Del Toro's best since Sicario. Which, by the way, I think is part of the reason you don't trust him because that character is slippery as fucking yeah, and is so good. But like, I think he he gets to do a little bit more digging here um, at, with character development. Yeah, he was very complex and multifaceted, and and didn't really know where he landed on the the side of you know good or corrupt yeah. until the last five minutes of the movie. Yeah, which was great. Shit goes like, down. Yeah, 
Yeah. She, and dude, when shit goes down in this movie, shit goes down hard. Do you want to leave it not spoiled? Yeah, let's not spoil spoiled. it. <laughs> not spoiled. Yeah. Okay. Fair I enough. liked it though. Yeah. Great recommendation. Thanks, dude. Yep. Um all right, I got one more movie that I want to recommend. Um well, that's not even the right way to say that. I got one more movie this year that I've seen, which is called The Boys in the Boat. Now, George Clooney's been directing some films lately, and I never saw The Midnight Sun. Midnight Sun? The Midnight Sky? You saw it. It's George Clooney directing yeah. George Clooney. Yep. You hated it, but I yeah. heard some good things, but I never saw it. Um, But George Clooney's been directing some stuff lately. Did he direct himself again? No, he's not in this movie, which I thought was probably good. But it's, it's a movie that takes place in the 30s, um, starring Callum Turner, and uh, it, it's about a Washington State University rowing team, who you know, to despite all odds, like beat the Ivy League schools and then go on to compete uh, in in the same Olympics that like Jesse Owens ran in front of Hitler. That's the story. So it stars Callum Turner as 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 Joe Rance and and Joel Edgerton as the coach. I've got kind of mixed feelings on Joel Edgerton, like. He does some good stuff. Like it comes at night's pretty good. Like I kind of like Red Sparrow, but he's also in some stuff that's bad. And this is one of those things. Like the movie, it's not. It's just not. It's not good. It it's it sort of. It came out on Christmas and was like meant to be sort of a. You know, like a take your family to Christmas movie. It's like a movie that your grandparents would like. Partially because it was, like they do a good job setting it in the 1930s. Like it feels right if you don't. If you look at a shot from the film, it looks good. But it doesn't make a lot of sense. There's no tension in the movie um, at all. The characters don't do anything. <laughs> like, um, it's it's just bad. I, I don't, you having not seen it's actually a pretty big disadvantage for me trying to explain what happens. Cause like, I could just walk you through the plot, but like, the movie walks you through the plot. And like, the, the movie starts with a slide that's like, this is the story of these underdogs who beat the Ivy League schools and you know won the Olympics. Oh, there goes all And it's like, not a, it's not impossible to make a movie tense when you diffuse the main plot points. Like I think that there's probably cases. But it's that. about rowing. They made this about that and it just doesn't deliver. And my sister Bailey Minardi, without whom the this show would not be possible, possible, was on the crew team. At, at her school and like she understands the complexities of what it means to row on a boat with others that's specific knowledge shared in, by her and vikings in the trailer for this movie there's an overdub that says like an eight-man boat's the toughest team sport there is and it's not um the guy it's not the beans guy mm. the uh, beans guy bush's beans you know sam um, elliott yeah it's not sam elliott okay it's somebody else with a deep voice. He did Bush Beans commercials? He did some commercials that you've told me about. Definitely not Bush's Whatever. Beans. He did something okay. where yeah. he's saying it's a cowboy beef. kind of thing. Could be beef. It's what's for dinner. That's, <laughs> That's what him? he did. Yeah. All right. Well, whatever. There's somebody else who's like, you know, an eight-man an eight boat's the toughest team sport there is. And and that's like the one point you could have made this movie tense with is like, helping the audience understand like why it's so difficult, but they never do. Sweet. It just doesn't make any sense. The pacing's all wrong. The, like uh, there's the beginnings of commentary on classism 
And like, like we're in the thirties, we're in the, the great depression and like colleges are still going. So we're in a state school and it's like, we got to beat the Ivy league school. So that's introduced to one point where like, but you know, they did. I know. And whatever. Why would they do that? Cause you could at least have character development along the way. And we don't, but you could have that in theory. At one point, I think it's Joel Edgerton's character when they're talking about the adversity that they're facing, talking about like, um, like Harvard or something or the Ivy league schools. He literally says, he goes, <laughs> he goes um, those Ivy league kids, they're in, they're in boats before they're in shoes or something. Like, that. So, like I had a good time at the theater. I saw it with um, Serena and my sister and my parents and like, it was a good time. I was a couple, I would had a few drinks. It was a good time, but it's a terrible movie. Okay. It's like gotta be, it's gonna be in my like dishonorable mentions for yeah. you. It was really bad. Um, it's called The Boys in the Boat. It's uh, horrible. <laughs> please don't watch it. But if you do, please let me know that you've seen it because I need some commiseration for this because it was just, <laughs> it's not a good movie. Yeah. And that's fine. Not it, every movie has to be good, I guess, but it's it's not a good movie. It sounds like George Clooney, like, just rewrote cool runnings with white kids. Dude, I heard it put um earlier today because I heard somebody's review of this movie and they they said um George Clooney is making movies for the kinds of people who say they don't make movies like they used to. <laughs> they want to say like it like it's, it's as if George Clooney thinks like movies back in the day didn't have tension of any kind. Right. And it's just like it's just not good. It's just really bad. And it wasn't even on my like list of homework. It came out Christmas weekend so my family wanted to go probably because my sister wrote and it was like a really nice thought but the movie was so bad um you know like we're sitting and we saw it like 7 20 at night after a couple days of holiday drinking and it's just like you know the seats reclined and it's getting warm in the theater and i'm drinking some smuggled in alcohol <laughs> just like trying to stay awake mm -hmm. it's fine it was a nice time but i of course can't recommend it that's fair so Sometimes set and setting make a bad movie enjoyable. Totally. Uh, I will. Though not good. I won't watch that. No, please don't. I won't. Um, you got anything else? Nope. All right. Well, then from us here at Fresh Hop Cinema, you guys, happy new year. We'll talk to you on the other side. Um, this show wouldn't be what it is without the aforementioned Bailey Minardi who crushes it at crew and rowing and all sorts of shit. Best rower I've ever known. Um, if you're on Patreon, look at your stuff. We got some stuff upcoming event-wise, so please RSVP if that is appropriate for the invite you get. And in the meantime, my name is Max Minardi. My name is Johnny Summers. Enjoy some drinks this weekend. It's New Year's. Be safe. Take an Uber. Watch some good movies. Drink some good drinks. Be friendly. Enjoy the holiday. Most importantly, resolutions are dumb. Stay your shitty selves. Because I love you just how you are. All right. We'll see you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Cinema.